Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by EJ Snyder, the site's lead draft analyst. EJ, season's over. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not feeling great about how the Bears did, but uh, 2020, right? Ending a decade, uh, moving into a new year, uh, lots to look forward to. We'll talk about some of that, but I'm I'm personally not feeling too bad. Uh, the state of the Bears, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Not quite as positive. How about you? Uh, 2020 always seemed like a fake year growing up. And so it's kind of weird that we're actually in it. We're recording this on New Year's Day of 2020. So um, a little weird. Wouldn't have necessarily anticipated that we'd be recording our 36th and final uh, season one episode. But here we are. And so pretty cool uh, that we have managed to put out that many episodes and excited to finish the first year and take a little break and then uh, come back for more for year two and I think you have a little something to say about that at some point, but uh, let's start with beers. What did you bring for the final podcast of season one? Yeah, I didn't think about it being the final, but I got it a couple of weeks ago, and it is from Widmer Brothers Brewing uh, sure. out of Portland, sure, and it is their Burr, B-R-R-R, Hoppy Red Northwest Ale, so um, I'm always good for a red ale. I have not had this one, so it'll be a brand new beer. I've had lots of things from Widmer Brothers, um, like most of their stuff, but I've not had this offering, so I'm excited about it. It's got a nice piece of snowflake art on the can and some snow on top of the letters, so it felt very wintry. I didn't think about it being any kind of final, but what do you have? So I have a beer from Bell's, which I've brought on before, I believe. And this is a special beer that they're brewing. It's a series. Uh, This one's called Tua Locomotive in Winter, which is from uh, The Leaves of Grass, which is a Walt Whitman book of poetry. And I assume there's just a huge crossover of poetry fanatics and Bears fans. And so I figure this would be a, a very obvious one for our listeners to really appreciate little sarcasm coming out of my voice and so what so many people jumping up and down at home right now going oh my god he actually did it he's got the walt whitman beard so (laughs) uh i love smoked porters and that's what this is uh they're they're doing a a series of seven beers celebrating uh that that book of poetry i guess i didn't know about it um this is the fourth one the fourth installment uh but i saw smoked porter and got excited and then i started looking i'm like okay i don't really know what to a locomotive in winter means because i've never read that book uh but oh maybe maybe people have and they'll they'll tweet at us their favorite uh line from Walt Whitman. So that's what I brought is smoked porter to finish out the year or start the new year. All right. Let's, let's open these things up. Mine feels like it might've had a bit of a journey, but we got it. We got it open without incident. I actually had one of these the other night and Mm. I I, I like this quite a bit stone, which is a brewery you're familiar with. Yeah. San Diego. They do a really nice smoked porter that I look for every year as well. And I've got one where they do they drop vanilla beans in it, and so that one's uh, high on my list of, of recommended beers of this style. Um, but this is uh, I enjoyed this the other night and was happy to bring it on and share it with with the crew. That's cool. I had uh, bourbon aged in vanilla barrels um, that I purchased the other night from a local distillery, Heritage Distilling in Gig Harbor. Makes a uh, they have a double barrel series of of bourbons aged in different kinds of barrels, and this one's aged in vanilla barrels, and it's interesting. What's a vanilla barrel? Uh, I imagine a barrel that has stored vanilla extract. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I was thinking you actually just like misspoke and we're no. because they'll, they'll put like vanilla beans into like a bourbon barrel yeah. with beer and do it that way. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. No, well, the, I, I, the I vanilla is, uh, yeah. Uh, you'll have to come out. I'll pour you a glass. No. Um, I do <laughs> have something to send you, though. I, I will, I, I might spoil your Christmas present um, at the end of the podcast. We'll see. We'll see how excited I get about that. But I do have something <laughs> for you for Christmas. So. All right. Well, that's 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 exciting. All right. So let, let's let's uh, jump into this game. Uh, I don't want to talk like a ton about the actual game because the game was kind of sad mm-hmm. in that it was Bears starters against a lot of Vikings backups, and the Bears won the game. Which hey, a win is a win is a win. And I've already seen 
exactly what we predicted, which was people, you know, shooting out the records of Nagy against the division, Nagy against the Vikings, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. There is no asterisk. And so a, a win is a win. And that's and that's great. We love those. But it wasn't a pretty win. Uh, the Bears kicked a lot of Eddie Pinheiro field goals, uh, including one basically with no time remaining uh, to end that game. Uh, they were able to hold the Vikings offense to four Dan Bailey field goals, otherwise uh, avoiding a pretty potentially embarrassing loss. Uh, David Montgomery, uh, he was able to uh, get it going and scored a touchdown. We'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, but any big thoughts that you had, big picture thoughts on the the Bears-Vikings game before we get into a couple just bullet points? It's a tough game to watch. Uh, I enjoy watching depth on NFL teams, but usually in the preseason, not the regular season. Right. And the Bears didn't play depth for the most part. They didn't bring a lot of guys up off the practice squad or sign them off um, off other practice squads to their active roster, which we had theorized they might do. They went pretty straight line, played most of their starters, didn't really sit or protect anyone from injury. Uh, a couple of guys that were already injured went to IR, but it was really Bears starters against Vikings backups. And you would have hoped the result would have been much more lopsided, but uh, the Bears seem to slip back to a lot of uh, early to mid-season patterns that were not very positive. The defense gave up a few long runs, uh, especially early. That was something that was one of their calling cards. They would hold an offense and then let one long play go either in the beginning of the game or right before half. They did that two or three games in a row at the beginning of the season. They did it again here. And you know, on the on the fired up side, the safety was fun. Um, totally oh, meaningless yeah. game, but I jumped up and down on the bar and you know got super excited that that quit fired through the line and nailed the running back and got a safety. That was fun. Um, Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre Lewis played inspired ball for the most part. Only a few lapses. Um, some of those long interior runs being some of them didn't have great gap contain on a few of them. But the offense struggled hopelessly again. It was field goal after field goal. They never looked like they were in control, and that's that's disappointing against uh, division rivals, uh, largely backup team. Yeah. Now, when the Bears record a safety, or maybe just when you're watching a game and there's a safety, do you do the safety dance, which means you know putting your hands above your head like the official would or like the defensive players are all doing to indicate safety and, and, and jump around or do anything fun like that? I, I did not um, do that. I was watching this at a bar because I do not have NFL Sunday tickets. All the and, more reason. And they do. Um, needless, well, not needless to say, uh, just to set the scene, it was uh, Jeremy, my loyal fellow Bears fan at a table um, there. He was the only guy in the bar when I walked in uh, that wasn't sitting right at the bar. He was sitting at the tables in the bar. Um, but since the two of us were there and nobody else was there, we had them put the bears on the big screen, which is really kind of funny considering sure. it's a completely worthless game uh, to the Vikings and, and out in the Pacific Northwest, you know, not very many people, but we're like, Hey, we're, we're two people here. And they had no problem doing it because we're, you know, somewhat regulars this season. And, and we got to watch the bears game on the big screen, which was fun. But um, a few more people had filtered in by the time the safety went off and, uh, I think I pumped my fist in the air a little bit and probably yelled, that's a safety. Um, but I did not put my hands above my head and, and make myself look like a conehead in the bar. Sorry. All right. Well, fair enough. I, I just uh, I think that that's fairly universal to do that. I was just curious if you do that on the West Coast like we do in the Midwest. That's, that's, all, I was, that's all I was asking. <laughs> video, video or it didn't happen. Well, let's get into a couple of the bullet points that I have and it's not much. I just kind of wanted to cap a couple of things that we talked about. We can get into some of the recent news that has happened this week with coaching changes. We don't want to get too far into it, but just kind of touch on it because the first bullet point I have is Dave Montgomery uh, was able to have a 100-yard game, which is nice to see, nice to go out on a high note there. 113 yards and a touchdown. Put his season totals up to 889 yards rushing and six touchdowns, uh, a fairly low yards per carry average at 3.7. 
And so I, th- I would say that his rookie year ends in somewhat of, I mean, a high note for the game. But like overall, when you look back, a little bit of a disappointment from what our expectations were coming into this season. But he ran hard. He, uh, you like his the way that he fights. You like the way that he's able to keep churning. You know, that touchdown was a lot of fun. You know, that it just seems like the type of guy that is going to be a lot of fun to cheer for. And the Bears coaching uh, staff has been mixed up a bit. Out are a couple of uh, position coaches and offensive coordinator. And uh, some new guys are getting hired in with the intent of running the uh, running game. And so I, hopefully we're, we'll see a little bit more focus on the run game in the off season. And uh, obviously Montgomery is going to be the centerpiece of that. Any thoughts on David Montgomery's rookie season? It, the totals, if you're just looking at stats, as you said, are a lot lower than we expected. He's a very talented guy. He didn't get a lot of help. The bears struggled mightily with the run game this year with scheme, with calls when and where they came in or whether or not they came in and the execution we saw a lot of lapses we saw a switch in the middle of the year um moving positions on the interior offensive line and we didn't see a lot of big holes it was one of the things that i noticed one of the benefits of going to a bar and watching the game is all the other games are on and when there's commercials of which there are many or or breaks in the bears game you can kind of scan the other screens and see what's going on and i was always sort of put back by how many large holes showed up in replays of other teams run games and right. how rarely you saw that in a bears game so it wasn't that montgomery was picking the wrong hole or pussyfooting around behind the line and couldn't hit the hole when it was there it was that there were very few holes and he still like you said ran very hard and he was well-rounded he passed block very well for a rookie Um, That got him on the field. He caught the ball quite fluidly in the few times that they really put him out on more complex routes. He looks like a very good player that just didn't get a lot of help. So I'm excited about the additions to the coaching staff. I hope the run game gets a thorough revamp and really gives this guy some holes because he looks like a guy that can take advantage of him if he gets them, if they're there. And they just weren't there this year. So you like what you saw from him. You really hope the scheme comes up to help around him and that he's able to maximize that talent because he's got a lot of it. I think if you're looking for, I mean, I'm always looking for silver lining. seems like that was what we were trying to do this year. But for those of you out there that play fantasy football, uh, his uh, rookie year numbers are going to push him down on draft boards next year. But I think everything is set up for him to be a bell cow in this offense. And if you're betting that the the Bears offense can, you know, improve from from this year to next year, he's going to be a big beneficiary. So, uh, you know, you might be able to get Dave Montgomery for a song in fantasy drafts. So that's something to think about. Um, the other guy that we, we've talked a heck of a lot about, the offensive MVP of the Bears this year is Allen Robinson. And I was hoping for 11 catches or, you know, I had a yardage total that I was kind of hoping for to kind of hit some numbers. Uh, he, uh, Allen Robinson, was able to get nine catches in this game, finishes the year with 98 with uh, 1,147 yards, and he had seven touchdowns. And it was kind of interesting. I think he caught nine of 12 targets. There was one ball that was a, a particularly bad ball, but, like, he, he probably could have come down with it. And then there was this little flare pass that looked like it was, like, that Trubisky threw it behind him. So it, it was not a pass. It looked like it was going to be a run. And it was originally credited as a catch. And I was like, oh, good. And then I looked a couple minutes later, and they had changed it over to a run play. So he, <laughs> at one point, had an extra catch. Uh, and then that got taken off. But he, he was very close to hitting that 100 mark, but was not able to get it. Uh, but still, an excellent season from Allen Robinson. He should be very proud of this year. The Bears should do what they can, in my opinion, to extend him and uh, make him the centerpiece of this passing game going forward. Thoughts on Robinson's season kind of to wrap up what we've talked about a lot, but uh, one more kind of final thought on Robinson. 
He's an absolute alpha on and off the field. Uh, caught just about everything. Had a little uh, flirtation with some drops in the middle of the season, but got over it very quickly. Continued to make difficult catches. Continued to win one-on-one matchups versus the corner he was faced up against every week. Our prediction was just about on the money. We were uh, I was just over 100 catches. I think I said 1,200 yards and a few more TDs, which I expected. Um, but those in the modern passing game are alpha numbers. When you're spreading the ball around to three and four different wide receivers, an active tight end, and a running back, if somebody comes ro- away with 100-ish catches and almost 1,200 yards, those are alpha numbers. Those are primary number one receiver numbers. And Robinson has been that on the field. He has been a leader off the field. Um, he won the Chicago Press's Good Guy Award. He's, uh, by all accounts, a stand-up guy in the locker room, answers all the questions, stands there, takes all the heat, um, and has been a fine model for anybody looking at how to be a pro football player in that locker room. So really happy with Allen Robinson. Hope, like you do, that they find a way to extend him, that he can stay a bear for a long time also hoping that he gets some solid quarterback play next year to extend those totals and continue you know being healthy and putting up numbers in Chicago because he is one of the most enjoyable bear wide receivers we've gotten to watch in quite a while and that's saying something because we've seen some very good ones uh unlike the quarterback position the bears wide receiver position is is not bereft of folks that have played quite well and Robinson is just sort of continuing that legacy and and adding to it and that's that's really really cool so happy with what he did sorry that the circumstances weren't a little bit better for him but again he maximized his opportunities never backed away from the challenge uh got to stay healthy all year and never stopped trying was was digging for those catches in the last game just like he was digging for the catches in the first game and that was great to see yeah absolutely and i one of the things i want to do this off season is dig in a little bit more to this uh alan robinson season from a statistical perspective and kind of go back and see how that kind of ranks amongst bears wide receivers years because i I think i think we're we're getting it a little lost uh in all of the negative offensive coverage of this team that it rightfully deserves but he had a really nice year and i'm kind of curious if i can uh, go back and see just how this how this year ranks. I mean, there's there's some really amazing years from like Harlan Hill uh, back when mm-hmm. they only played 12 games. Those are kind of the the years that I'm in love with <laughs> as a Bears wide receiver. That's like the those are the best years that I've that I've ever seen. Uh, but I, I'd like to go back and see compare them against you know the the Brandon Marshall years and the the Alshon Jeffrey years and see you know just see really where this is and. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough to uh, account for differences in quarterback play and all that. But I think that this season is pretty impressive given that everything else was falling down around him. And so uh, very excited to see what he does in the future. And, and I, I'm going to go off script just a little bit. I got one more bullet point, but I want to – we mentioned kicking a little bit in my recap. And I just want to point out that uh, Eddie Pinheiro, who I really liked – coming out of training camp when we went and watched him way back when it was really hot out. Um, <laughs> and, and he got hurt. He had that like a, like a pinched nerve and, you know, he kicked through it and, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit for, for that. And you know, he was kind of coming under fire because he had missed some kicks and that's the tough, tough gig. And, in the, in the Chicago Bears uniform is uh, any time you miss a kick, it's people freak out, but he made his last 11 kicks at last 11 field goals and and so i i mean you, you think that the injury probably had something to do with uh his his swoon and in, in some of the kicks that he was missing but he you know he did finish strong and you hope that that position isn't gonna necessarily be a concern going into 2020 that he can focus on getting healthy and improving that accuracy and maybe this this guy turns into a kicker that we can count on. That would be awesome. And the fact that he righted the ship as much as he did in the second half of the year, um, you could speak to that by how everybody reacted to the kicking drills that we saw in training camp. The entire place stood um, like they were in church and got quiet. 
it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. There was so much uncertainty and so much angst about the Bears kicking situation coming into the year. Pinheiro started off hot. Everybody got behind him. He got hurt. He missed a few. Everybody started to doubt and have uh, sort of a little bit of PTSD about the kicking situation. And then Pinheiro kicked through it. He toughed it out, and he did finish really strongly. I would have liked to see better performance from beyond 40 yards because that, in my sure. mind, is really – that's those are the money kicks for a kicker in the NFL these days. Inside 40, you better be making those. And he did, to his credit, but outside 40, his performance wasn't great. If he's got room for improvement, that's it. But very happy with what Eddie Pinheiro was able to do, if for no other reason because we don't talk about the kicking game every week. And if he has put water on that fire, that is a huge achievement for the season. If you were to drop like an alien or like, I don't know, a European into Bourbon A and have them just observe practice, listen to people talk, listen to the media coverage, you would ask them, who do you think makes the most money on this team? <laughs> I think that they might say, well, that kicker does, clearly, right? Because it looks like it's the hardest job and the one that everybody's focused on. So clearly the kicker is the most important person, right? Like, I mean, you know, maybe just because that's a uh, – Europeans love their soccer. But I, I'm just – it was crazy how much focus there was on the kicking game. And it's like I've never seen so much focus on kicking. It was ridiculous. But anyway, I, I just I just kind of want to make that aside because I, th I do think he finished strong. And I'm hopeful that that's something that we can just not have to worry about. And that would be great. Yeah, that would so. be great. And uh, he's definitely made strides in that direction. Um, the media talks about it a lot less. I think there's just kind of the assumption that he's the guy going forward because he's been able to demonstrate that he can do it. And uh, I, like you, think that is great. If we can talk about it a little less, count on it a little bit more, um, I'm all for it. So the last bullet point that I had, and I, I'm not trying to like – you know, start any anything, you know, too much. But a lot of talk about uh, Mitchell Trubisky and whether or not he's going to be the starter next year. And so I just wanted to pose the question to you. Do you think this is Trubisky's last start in a Chicago Bears uniform? I don't think it's probably his last start. It may be and probably should be based on the way he played for the entire year, his last start as the first string starter. Now, does that mean he's never going to start another game for the Bears? No, quarterbacks get hurt, and I could absolutely see Mitchell Trubisky getting a start in relief of some other quarterback who has been the Bear, who has been anointed the Bears' uh, first-string starter next year. And I wouldn't be at all sad about that. I want to talk about a couple of things about that. So, Ryan Pace had his semi-annual presser. He does two, uh, basically by league mandate, by league rules. And before I tell you what I think about them, I wanted to ask your opinion, speaking of going off script, what do you think of Ryan Pace's pressers? So I was uh, I, I made one post about this on Twitter because I, my, my entire feed was completely flooded with some people that we write with and a lot of other Bears fans that, that pop up in my feed or Bears people, uh, people that are covering the Bears. And they were taking this with complete frustration and taking everything that he said at face value. And I'm like, guys, this is not a group of people that you take their word on. You take, you look at their actions. You do not listen to what they say. This is, this is someone who's coming out and telling you all, all of the coach speak or all the general manager speak, or whatever you want to call it. They are not giving you any real information. And if you step back and you kind of think about it, do you really want your general manager to reveal to the entire world what his plan is to acquire a, uh, another quarterback, uh, whether it be in the draft or trading up in the draft or uh, making a trade with another team or signing a free agent. Like, do you want your general manager to freely give that information out into the public? Like, I don't. Like, I, information is power. And when other teams have that information over you, they can then maneuver and block that deal or make a better deal to make sure that you don't get it so that they do whatever that case may be. Information in this industry 
is very powerful. So protect that information and your intentions until you absolutely make it known. So I didn't listen to it because it's not meaningful. There's no real information for me to act on. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. And he does it because the league makes him. And I understand that, uh, you know, if if team officials and and coaches and and players aren't uh, made available to the media, that there'll be a lot more guessing and we don't get the information that we'd really like. But I'm with you that information here is power. And I wish one of two things because Ryan Pace's pressers are absolute garbage. We can call them coach speak. We can call them GM speak. We can call them fallacy because that's what they are. They're lies, right? He came out and said, Mike Glennon is our starter with every intention uh, right. that he was going to draft Trubisky. And he's doing the same thing now, no matter what, uh, no matter what his intention is, he's not sharing it. So I would rather have him do one of two things, come up to the podium and pull a Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so I don't <laughs> get fined. Right. Which right. is true. I have to sit right. here and talk to you guys, but you know that I'm going to look right at you and lie to you. So wouldn't you just rather have me sit up here and say, mm, no, nope, not going to answer that. Right. And just not give that information away because that's exactly what he's doing. He's telling people kind of what they want to hear, but he's not going to he's not going to hold himself to that at all or just not do it. Right. Take right. the fine or whatever it is and say, guys, there's no way I'm going to divulge the kind of information you want to hear. So instead of trying to read the tea leaves or reading between the lines or saying, I think he's lying, we're just not going to pull the whole charade, right? It's a useless exercise. So A, don't get fired up about what Ryan Pace says in a press conference in December. It's not what's going to happen. And B, I wish they didn't have to make him do the song and dance because look, he's smooth. He's really good at it. A lot of people take him at face value because they don't know the game, and the game right. is the game between Ryan Pace and the press and the league, and it is just a useless exercise. So uh, I'm going to say something that's going to fire people up about Trubisky, enough about Ryan Pace and his pressers, because uh, I think he does a great job as GM. I just wish he didn't have to sit there and bald face lie to the press. Right. I think Trubisky is an ideal backup. I think Trubisky is exactly what everybody wanted Chase Daniel to be this year. And that's not going to be a popular take because he was drafted second, moved up for him, paying him contract. He's a young guy, potential, blah, 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 blah. I get it. The reality from what we've seen from Mitchell Trubisky is he is a guy that works really hard. He's earnest. The guys follow him regardless. Even when he's not playing that well, they kept playing He has the ability to improvise when things break down, make some yards with his legs. He's athletic. He does have an arm. He can come up with some big late throws. He tends to in a two-minute or compressed offense more so than he does in a base offense. Mitchell Trubisky is a guy you can bring in for a couple of starts and have an average chance of winning, which is more than you can say with a guy like Chase Daniel. And I don't think it's going to happen. Let's be clear about that. Because of his draft status, because of his potential, some other team, if he leaves the Chicago Bears or gets traded away, is going to take a chance on Mitchell Trubisky and try and turn him into something, probably as a starter. I get that. That's okay. But if Mitchell Trubisky was smart, wanted to learn the game, hold a clipboard, make a fair amount of money, and have some reasonable expectations about his play, he might stay with the Bears as the number two and say, hey, I can come in and do this team some good if the starter gets hurt, and I can lead these guys to a couple of victories and then hand the ball back to the starter, grab my clipboard, and do the backup quarterback thing. I think that's his ideal role for right now. Might he have a late, you know, late career resurgence? We've talked about this, like a late bloomer, like Alex Smith or something, when the game slows down for him. And uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill had a great blossom this year in in Nashville when he got there for the Titans. Could Trubb's arc? you know, mirror that? Yeah, it could. But for the next two or three years, I think he's ideally suited to be a backup. Now, whether he accepts that or whether other teams sort of see that objectively and plug him into that role, I don't really think that's going to happen. But I think that's his ideal spot for right now. So last start uh, in a Bears uniform, I doubt it. Last start as the clear first string starter, Mm, I think it probably should be. Yeah, I, uh, I see what you're saying. 
I, th- I think that it makes sense to keep him on the roster. There's not like there's a trade value, and he's probably your best option as the second quarterback, assuming that he would lose a battle to a veteran, what have you. Um, there's no real need to cut him, anything like that. It's not like he's a bad influence on the locker room. I don't know that he uh, would necessarily prevent anything bad from happening. So I could see it happening for 2020. I do not see it happening beyond that. I, I think it no. is going to be some other team that's going to do that. Uh, but, you know, the this league is full of second chances for guys that are drafted highly at the quarterback position because it, all teams are desperate to find that. You know, Blake Bortles got a backup job to Jared Goff with, you know, the offensive genius Sean McVay. And so it happens. Like, there, there, there's he'll have employment if he wants it. Yeah, there's one uh, question. Like, how excited were you to get back to Mitchell Trubisky after a couple of Chase Daniel starts this year? 100%. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, a, it's very clear that Mitchell Trubisky is, you know, way above what Chase yeah, Daniel There's at least potential for big plays there there's potential for victory right there with chase daniel there's almost none so what if trubs was the first place you went instead of the second place you went he's light years better than tyler bray don't even don't even bring that to me listeners i'm not in the mood um you know (laughs) if trubisky was your first guy off the bench after your more competent or consistent starter got hurt that would not be a bad thing nope i agree so, all right, well, that's uh, something that we're probably going to talk a heck of a lot about in season two, but just wanted to bring it up there. And I want to shift over to settling up our preseason uh, bets that we made for season long bets when we had Sam Householder on. And so we're going to roll through this. It's going to be a little painful for me, uh, but, you know, I got I to gotta pay up. So, uh, spoiler alert, I did not win this. Um, Let's start with Sam. Okay. So Sam's bets, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about one of Sam's bets after I run through this. So this these are the bets that Sam won. So it, just a quick review. Uh, we went through and drafted uh, a number of different bets. Everybody had to make one Super Bowl bet, uh, three divisional winners, three overs of wins, and three unders of wins. And the idea was that if you drafted one of those bets. Uh, the other two people couldn't take that same bet. So we didn't have any repeats. You could take the other side of it. Uh, there was, only, I think, only one, and that was, EJ, that was you that took the bills over and Sam took the bills under. But I think everything else was um, you know, only, only taken once. Uh, and so l- let me run through this. We'll start with Sam since he was the guest. So Sam wins. He, he picked the Texans to win the division. Uh, he picked the Saints to win the division. He took Chiefs over 10.5 wins. He took the Dolphins over 4.5 wins. And he took the Lions under 7 wins. So he won all of those bets. Uh, he did not win the Seahawks winning the NFC West or the, uh, the Eagles going over 10.5 wins, which – kind of seems laughable <laughs> to think that at that point it's not it was not a bad bet back then uh but you know given their season it's just like wow they were at 10 and a half uh the raiders under six they did not uh, they were over that uh the bills under seven and a half obviously we, we already mentioned that and then sam took the uh, bears to the super bowl which spoiler alert that is not happening <laughs> Uh, and so when you add all of that up, uh, the, the big win for Sam was the Texans winning the division. We did this before Andrew Luck retired. And so that got him uh, a, a real nice return. The Saints winning the division is not much of a return. It's kind of low odds. And then those uh, three uh, over-under wins gives him a total that would have been like a, a basically 11% return. So he let's say that you had $100 uh, bets or 100 unit bets for all of those bets which is what we we talked about. Um, he would get he would basically win uh, $113 in net. So uh, a a fairly nice season from Sam and he was able to do that because the Dolphins won their week 17 game in new England with something on the line for new England. Uh, so it was a very nice one for the dolphins and Sam was kind of, you know, peacocking about it a little bit on the Twitter. And I said, I would still bet the under 
for the Dolphins. Like this was still not the best bet in my mind. And I just want to mention that Sam talked about how attractive the schedule was in in his response to me. But I went back and listened to the tape and went during <laughs> oh, the podcast. Do not ever, fans, go against I, JB on a bet well, I, because, man, is he is, accurate and, man, is he petty. So <laughs> I, he will get you. I remembered it a little differently. And Sam just had different reasonings. He said that his his thought was that every year there's a team that's predicted to be the worst in the league, and that was the Dolphins coming into the year. And he felt that with no necessarily digging in for evidence, he felt that that was not true, like that the, the team that was predicted to do the worst did better than projections. And so that he was kind of going off this gut instinct. Uh, and then as the season went along and it revealed itself to everyone that, you know, the Jets didn't look good for stretches. Uh, you know, they got the Bengals on the schedule you know, that who were particularly bad. And his tune changed a little bit to the schedule was particularly bad. So I just want to say that congratulations to Sam. He beat me in this contest and he beat me on that particular bet. And I, Really appreciate the fire and passion, but you know, just wanted to make sure that we remembered what the rationale was to begin with. We so, remembered. He, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, so Sam's in the lead. Uh, he 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 beat me. I got. I'm third place in this. So I'll go over my bets real quick. So really, my big win was predicting that the Ravens would win uh, their division. So that was my big payout. I also uh, correctly predicted that the Texans would win over eight games, the Rams would win under 10 games, and that the Giants would win under six. So uh, those were my wins from this draft. My losses were that the Bears would win the North, uh, that the Panthers would win the South, uh, which was an attractive line. I didn't necessarily believe it, but I thought, man, they had a chance. They did not. Uh, (laughs) The Bears... (laughs) Winning over nine games, I lost that. Uh, The Panthers winning over eight games, I lost that. Uh, This one hurts. The Packers under nine wins, I lost that one. And then I tripled up on the Panthers, which had a disastrous year uh, to win the Super Bowl. So uh, the good news is that those bets that I did win did get me back to even with like a very little profit. So basically like a 2% uh, profit in that. So not very good. Uh, Less than Sam, I could have had one more bet that would have went uh, my way Um, although looking at these none of the losses were particularly close so and none of my wins were particularly close either they're all kind of blowouts so um, don't don't spend it all in one place no I think I could afford uh, you know like a candy bar but not even like a king size I think that's (laughs) where I'm at (laughs) so uh, that was my year although I will say that over on the QB list uh I, I picked five games every week, and I finished with a 55-29-1 record. And you killed is, it over there. I saw those stats at the end of the year, and I was like, because I do a pick at work, and I did pretty well, but uh, I did not do that well. So you absolutely slayed it in your first year over there. That was really cool. That's it's a you know sixty percent is kind of the golden uh, mark that people want to hit for beating the spread, and I was able to top sixty five percent, which I don't know that I'll ever be able to do that again or anything like that. But like that was an incredible run, and I felt very good. Closed out the year with a five and a week, and so um, very very good record over there. Betting week to week, um, my column where I bet did the same thing for the for the entire year. I did a little better on that one, and then I will say that real money, the, the bets that I actually made with real money at a casino, I did cash the the Ravens winning the division and the over on the Ravens and then the Texans which Sam got um, I cashed both of those winning the division and the over on that lost the Bears bets you know that's is what it is uh, but but I was able to go positive on that and then I uh, I hit a bet kind of a long shot bet I bet that Derrick Henry would win the rushing title Woo-hoo. and that was a 19 to 19 to 1 odds and i and i hit that one so that one felt pretty good i thought that was that was a nice little um uh you know jump in the air uh, for, for that that's one. pretty fun 
Yeah, yeah, that was my my other two picks for uh, yardage leaders. Uh, receiving yardage was Mike Evans, who was in it until late, and then he got hurt, uh, and that it was over. And Michael Thomas ran away with it, but Evans was at least you know in the neighborhood. And then I bet like Kyler Murray, which I I, I, I understand my thinking, um, but it you know betting a rookie would lead the league in yards is is a little bit wishful thinking but it was such nice odds and i could just picture this scenario where the the cardinals had their offense humming they passed 50 times a game and they were always behind because their defense was terrible and part of that came true (laughs) (laughs) but uh the yardage did not happen so um so anyway fun year of you know putting some very uh you know low dollar amount bets in on Vegas, uh, you know, worked out for me. Uh, but this column did not. So I got third place. So between Sam and EJ, so <laughs> this is unbelievable, EJ. You were the one that was like, I don't know anything about this. And I don't. So here, so here's, <laughs> EJ's, here's EJ's results. So EJ won the Eagles winning the division. Uh, skinny your nose there. The one, the bet of the Pats winning the AFC East, which is like not profitable bet, but he gets his money back plus a little bit. He bet Bills over eight wins, Ravens over eight wins, kind of stole that one for me. Chargers under 10 wins, which wow, like you were on that one. Uh, Colts under 10 wins, which this is before the Andrew Luck retirement. So you were already able to kind of uh, dance around. Uh, before the season even started because once luck retires like well that one's cashed your losses now i want to want to put this out there listener these are ej's losses the browns winning the division end of list ej pushed two other bets (laughs) broncos under seven they get seven he called the cardinals winning over five and a half they won five and a half He's probably not going to win the Super Bowl bet, but he's it's still alive. He's got the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. So it's possible. Uh, they are in the playoffs, which we're going to get to our playoff picks here in a minute. But uh, it's he doesn't need it because adding all that up, uh, EJ is uh, at uh, plus 293 units or a 29% return. So EJ, congratulations. You are owed a beer from me and from Sam. So nice. you won our inaugural betting contest. That's pretty good for a guy that can't follow most of your math. You sent this all to me pre-pod with all the percentages and the and the overs and the unders and the, the pluses and the minuses. And, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm decent at math, but I've never been a betting guy. And I'm, I was just like, math, math, math. You could have told me I lost, and I would have been like, oh, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> crazy crazy odds oh well we'll do it again next year here's your beer uh You're like, no. i got all of them right except for <laughs> one and i didn't win what is it must be it must be i picked all those low margin bets see that's why i don't bet in real life uh, it, that's how my did do that I know. that patriots win is just kind of funny yeah like, no and you know yeah the fact that they even had any uh competition is the funnier thing because they've won it what you know like 11 11 years in a row or something. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a big margin bet. Let's put it that way, but, um, pretty cool. It was fun. Thanks for putting that together. It was a, it was a fun show to do with Sam. Um, he's got some betting columns that he does in some other places as well. And so having the two of you and and me, the newbie sort of wandering blindly around in the China shop and ended up winning, it's pretty interesting, but, uh, uh, we'll, we'll all get together. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll do it at training camp again next year and, uh, I'll collect on the beers and that'll be a good time. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. Uh, congratulations to Sam for a second place finish. Nothing wrong with that. And we were all profitable. So uh, some profits greater than others, but we were all profitable. And that's really all that you can ask for at the end of the day is not losing money. So um, we're going to take a quick break. And then EJ and I are going to come back and we're going to work through the playoffs and make some predictions. And I'm really curious to see uh, where EJ is going with this. So stick with us and we'll be back after a quick break. All right, AJ, so we have not talked about your picks 
for this. I know where I'm going, uh, but I but I'm really curious to see how you're seeing the playoff bracket right now. The seeding kind of got mixed up at the end, uh, almost to a wonderful degree, by uh, the Lions knocking off the Packers. That didn't happen, unfortunately. But uh, the uh, Dolphins did in fact, beat the Patriots, which knocked them down to the three seed. So that really changed up the AFC seeding. So this this is a, a little bit more interesting than I think it might have been otherwise uh, in the AFC. But let's uh, let's work through this. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll start off, and I'm gonna work through the first round, and then and then we'll see your picks as well. So uh, the AFC it's it's Titans uh, going to New England to play the Patriots, and so I I find this game fascinating. This is, uh, I think the spread five and a half points uh, to the Patriots. And I, I found myself immediately picking the Titans to, to cover that spread. Uh, and, and, and then I, I, I get thinking about it more. And I, this Titans team is the worst draw for the Patriots in the first round. And I, I, we know they can beat the Bills. But the Titans come at football from a very different standpoint. And they've got a head coach that used to play for Bill Belichick. And it, it just seems like people that were in that Patriots organization that then leave, they, they've got a little bit of a magic potion that can, that, can, that can beat Bill Belichick from time to time. And, you know, watching Patriots games the last four or six weeks of the year, I'm just not a very impressed and I'm going to have some fun with this. I'm going to take the Titans to go into Foxborough and upset the Patriots outright. So that's I'm starting off there. The Texans uh, host the game against the Bills. I know you're big into the Bills. Uh, you've got some family that are Bills fans. I think the Texans are good enough to take care of this really good Bills defense. And uh, they're going to have Will Fuller back. Uh, Deshaun Watson with with Will Fuller and his full complement of wide receivers, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, is is kind of on a different level, and I, I just think that they're they're good enough uh, for me to hold serve at home. So I'm going to take the Texans against the Bills, and then over in the NFC, I'm not going to spend much time on this one. I think the Vikings are going to get slaughtered against New England. Uh, sorry, against New Orleans. New Orleans is playing just uh, incredible football right now. Um, Vikings are struggling somewhat. I. You know, the big stage with Kirk Cousins, all that kind of stuff. But I just I, I don't think they're playing the same level of football right now. I got, I've got the Saints in this one. Uh, easy. The spread on that one's eight points. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints are able to make it two scores uh, like that indicates. And then the Seahawks and Eagles. This is fascinating because the Seahawks don't play a normal game. Um, and the Eagles are kind of this fighting crew that they're nine and seven in a terrible division. They had a terrible year. They probably shouldn't be there, but they are because, you know, they have to send somebody from that division to the playoffs. They host it. It's a, it's a tough place to play. The Seahawks don't necessarily travel well in the playoffs. Uh, all this stuff kind of goes around. I, I can't pick against Russell Wilson right now. And so for me, I'm going to take the CX to go in and take care of business against the Eagles. So um, th- those are my first four picks. What do you got? Uh, that's fun. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, I'll go the same order. Uh, Patriots, Titans, or, or Titans, Patriots, Patriots at home. And there is no way I am betting against Tom Brady at home in playoffs with things on the line in the first round. There, it's just not happening. Like if Brady was hurt, this would be a different game. They are currently, you know, have him in the bowels of Foxborough and they are installing those lasers in his eyes and he is going to mash the Titans. Uh, You know, it might be a close game score wise, but Tom Brady is not losing this game, period. Um, I think the Patriots win. You're right, Vrabel and the Smash Mouth, you know. Derrick Henry Titans is not a great matchup for the Patriots, but there's no way I'm putting money against Tom Brady at home in the first round. He is. Did you see how angry he was about having to play the wild card round? Yeah. Yeah. He was super pissed. And I think he's got enough in the tank to take care of the Titans later in the playoffs. They may falter, but not in the first round. Um, Bills Texans. I think the Texans are the better team than the Bills, but I'm going to go Bills not because of my family affiliation. I think Sean McDermott has 
uh, kind of what you were talking about Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel having against Belichick. It's not that he's coached against Bill O'Brien or anything like that. He has this Bills team believing that they can beat people. And they do have a big strike offense. They have the ability to get decent plays in yardage on the ground, but Josh Allen can throw the ball 60 yards on a line, and if he gets a guy open, he can get him off the back foot. And if that's John Brown for one score, could be the difference. I think the Texans' Texans better team. I'm going to say the Bills stun and upset the Texans in the first round. Saints-Vikings, I'm on the exact same page as you. Saints at home beat the Vikings. Pretty much end of story. Uh, Eagles Seahawks, Seahawks Eagles, really interesting game. Eagles have been struggling. They're in a trash fire division. The Seahawks are limping a little bit. They have a lot of people injured. Um, they've made some questionable sort of coaching execution decisions. Sound familiar, Bears fans? Uh, in the last couple of weeks, they don't come in as a juggernaut again playing uh, in Philly, a tough place to play on the road. But I'm with you that I think Russell Wilson wills them to a win. Not a pretty one, not a blowout by any stretch. I think it's going to be a very close and um, unfortunately for all my Seahawks uh, fan friends, a nail-biting one, which is pretty typical for the Hawks. They're kind of the cardiac kids, but I think they advance on sort of a last-second field goal type of thing. So Seahawks, Saints, Bills, and Patriots coming out of the first round. All right, so our AFC is very different, so your seeds are a little different, uh, or obviously different in the second round but i'll go into my second round here so the for me it's the titans traveling to baltimore to play the ravens i i like this matchup a lot i think this is really interesting and i think it could be a really fun game just because the titans uh, are kind of a fun uh stylistic match for the ravens but I, I i got the ravens like i've been on the ravens since the beginning of the year i picked john harbaugh to be the coach of the year i picked lamar jackson to be offensive player of the year I'm not going to go against that now. Number one seed, they're playing as well as anybody. Um, I've got the Ravens. Uh, Chiefs would host the Texans in my scenario. Uh, I was at that game <laughs> earlier this year uh, with a hurt Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is now healthy, and uh, Patrick Mahomes is doing Patrick Mahomes things. So I'm comfortable saying that the Chiefs, with their defense playing as well as it has in the last six weeks of the year, um, is going to be able to take care of the Texans at home. So uh, it sets up Ravens-Chiefs for me in the AFC Championship game, kind of going chalk there in the second round. Uh, The NFC 49ers-Seahawks Part 3. Uh, is what that sets up. Very exciting. They've played two really good games, and I'm I'd be very excited to watch that third round again. Uh, given that the 49ers will be home here and rested, and that the, like you said, the Seahawks are a little banged up, um, I'll, I'll take the 49ers to to hold serve there. And then Packers versus Saints. I, I think the Saints are good enough to go into Green Bay and beat the green and yellow team and the the white and black helpers that they get uh, in those striped uniforms. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spend much time on it. I, I, I know that I've been very dismissive of the Packers year and they've won a lot of games uh, and I can appreciate that, but I think the saints are a better team. And so I'm going to say the saints can go into the Lambeau and knock out the Packers. Cool. Uh, I'm going to start again with the Ravens game. I think the Ravens win this game. I they're playing incredibly strong football they're dynamic they've got a tough defense I don't see them giving up here probably a tough contest but with them at home and the city of Baltimore absolutely fired up and behind them I go Ravens uh 49ers game against the Seahawks is gonna be a war it always is um but I think the 49ers are ready to go to the next round I think they're ready to put away the Seahawks who are not you know, battling at full strength. Again, not a blowout, but I think 49ers advance. Um, Chiefs, not betting against the Chiefs. They look really good. We saw them as Bears fans just a couple of weeks ago, and they can get it done if they keep everybody healthy, which they should. In fact, they should have some more people healthy with the first week of rest. Uh, I don't see them coming out flat. I don't see Mahomes allowing that to happen. I think Chiefs advance, and unfortunately, I'm going to call Packers oh, not no. because I not because I think they're a better team. That's not true. I think the Saints are clearly a better team, 
but um, Sean Payton has these moments, right? He gets close and he fumbles and something happens and Rodgers hits that Hail Mary or whatever and it's just it's a dagger to the heart as a Bears fan I'm not happy about it but I'm not going to go chalk all the way through I will be thrilled thrilled if the Saints put the Packers away on the road I mean I'll be jumping up and down you asked about jumping up and down I will be jumping up and down if the Saints drill the Packers at home but I've got this sneaky ugly feeling that the Packers trip the saints up and advance and then get mashed in the championship because they are not good enough to win uh the next game and it's always i think it's just kind of a waste right when you have a really good team that's firing on all cylinders like the saints and they get tripped up by a team that we all sort of consider at least a little bit pretenders who just go on and get crushed in the next round. And of course, as a Saints fan, you're saying, man, if we'd been there, we could have won. It's what happened to the Bears last year when they lost on the double doink, right? It's like, oh, if we matched up with the Rams, we could have beat them. And that always happens. I think that happens here. I'm not happy about it, but I think it happens. Oh, man. Well, at least you have Losing the next round from your comments. So, um, yeah. all right. So I've got Ravens Chiefs and be in Baltimore. And um, I look. I'm I'm a fan of both of these teams. I posted like my preference, and I had these guys one A one B. And I'm not I'm not sold on the advantage for either one. I think this might just get into one of those like who can make the most plays. You would say that Ravens will probably have a pretty good advantage because the Chiefs' weakness on defense has been you, know, you can run at them. They've been better as of late, and you certainly they've been better uh, against the pass. And and uh, I, I just I don't know. Um, I, my brain tells me Ravens, but my heart is telling me the Chiefs because uh, I just uh, I'm I'm I want Andy Reid to get back into the big game and win one. And so um, I'm playing a little bit with just my emotions here. And I'm going to say the Chiefs knock off the Ravens. And then in the NFC, I'm going to double down on road teams. And I'm going to say the Saints can get the better of the 49ers on the road, despite the fact that the 49ers beat the Saints in the Dome during the regular season because uh, – I just feel like there's like you said they keep stubbing their toes in these games and I or the refs don't make a call and you know football history has changed and I just think the Saints are do some good karma so this is my anti <laughs> scientific explanation here and I I like the Saints to pull off an upset in San Francisco and be able to get back to the Super Bowl ten years after their last one and so I've got a Chiefs Saints Super Bowl what about you? Cool. Well, Chiefs-Ravens is really my Super Bowl. That's the game I want to see. Um, two teams really sort of firing right at the top of their games, going at each other strength for strength, um, fairly healthy with stars or you know current stars and, and future stars, hopefully to be uh, for a long time of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think they have a terrific game, great battle. I think the Chiefs come out on top. Uh, I think Andy Reid has been there, done that. Um, Harbaugh has as well, um, but I'm not sure Harbaugh's team has as much as Andy Reid's Chiefs team has. And I think the Chiefs get the better of the Ravens, so they advance to the Super Bowl. Then we've got the 49ers-Packers matchup. I've had a couple of those in the past as well. I do not see the Packers getting by the 49ers, uh, so that sets up a 49ers-Chiefs Super Bowl for me. So if I get Chiefs-Saints, I'm just going to be excited for the game. I don't think I can necessarily pick sides. I like both teams. I've been to both of those stadiums within the last two years. I've watched uh, two Saints games live, two Chiefs games live. I just um, – good fans, uh, good atmosphere, and they both are really aching for a Super Bowl win here. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs have waited much longer since their last <laughs> uh, triumph, and – uh, that's where I'm leaning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and take the Chiefs uh, over the Saints in a bit of a shootout. Yeah, to be honest, I have no idea who to pick between Chiefs and 49ers. They're very different teams. Um, their strengths lie in very different places. Chiefs, a 
you know, super dynamic, quick strike offense with some real speedsters at the wide receiver position. 49ers don't have as much of that. Um, a lot more complexity and creativity on offense, thanks to Shanahan. Um, neither one of their defenses are great, but I like the 49ers defense a little bit more. Not so sure it matches up really well against the Chiefs, but not many teams do. It's a real push for me. I would love to see the Chiefs win it. Um, so I'll say Mahomes gets his first Super Bowl on some of those incredible plays that we've seen him make all year. Uh, I think the 49ers might be the better team overall, but they're not as dynamic as Mahomes when he is really lighting it up. And I'm just going to say he catches fire in the Super Bowl and and rolls and wins it. Well, there you have it. Both of us took the Chiefs. <laughs> I did actually did not see that coming. Uh, yeah. But uh, all right, good stuff. Well, uh, let's circle that. So that's all we have. Uh, let's let's talk about the beers and and uh, you know talk about a couple of other plans for their season two. Uh, but I'll I'll start off. Um, if you've never had a smoked porter, it's kind of a different experience beer experience and i would recommend everybody try it it's not particularly uh like super heavy or anything like that it's not like a super dark stout um porters are you know a little lighter this is six percent alcohol by volume so it's not you know it's not it's not that heavy in the alcohol either uh but as you know smoked malts give it a very different uh drinking experience and i really like it if you if you like bourbon or scotch at all um this is, this should be up your alley as well so uh take a you know it doesn't necessarily have to be bells this one's uh was quite good uh but if you see anything on the sh- shelf that's a smoke porter uh pick it up and try it it's a it's a good beer style what about you Cool. I'm a fan of the Burr Hoppy Red Northwest Red Ale from Widmer Brothers Brewing. A uh, little bit surprised. Just looked at the alcohol. It's 7.2 by volume. Certainly doesn't feel quite that strong. And it's really well balanced. Usually reds, um, for lack of a better term, pick a side. They're either a little bit more on the hoppy, bitter, sort of tangy side, or they're lean more towards that malt and caramel sugary side. This one's got a really nice balance. It's got enough of the bite to it that it's not all sugary, but it does have a bit of a sweeter finish. It definitely doesn't finish with a with a hoppy sort of high IBU tang to it. Really nice balance. Love it. Um, enjoyed it. Uh, kind of sorry I only bought one, um, but maybe I'll go get some more. <laughs> nice. All right. So you want to talk about uh, off-season plans? Yeah. So the podcast is going to take a break for a little bit, and boy, do we deserve it. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of fun doing these. Jeff and I have both really enjoyed them. All the interaction with fans has been tremendous. The listenership has been great. We had no idea what to expect, and all you guys and gals out there have been fantastic in supporting us this year. Um, we hope you come back for next season. We're going to have some more fun for you. We're going to take at least a few weeks off. Um, I'm going to dive into draft practice. And um, to that extent, I have a fairly large announcement. Um, I, a couple of years ago, ran up the poll uh, with our fearless editor in charge, Lester A. Wilfong Jr. Uh, Hey, maybe I could go to the Senior Bowl. And we tried, and the Senior Bowl didn't even respond. Uh, They had a different director at the time. And if you didn't work for a major media outlet, uh, they were not interested. If you didn't write for a big paper or a huge website, um, they had no interest in quote-unquote new media or or very little interest in new media. It was very hard to get a credential in those days, and it is a press-only event, the Senior Bowl, uh, for at least the practices, not the game. You can buy a game ticket, but you can't go to practice unless you are a credentialed media member. Well, things have changed. Jim Nagy's taken over. He is a former scout, used to scout for the Seahawks, is uh, much more progressive in his opinion about uh, new and emerging media, And we actually got uh, a ping from their director of uh, communications who said, hey, apply and, you know, we'll consider it. And so Lester sent that to me about three weeks ago. I was pretty excited. We submitted it. I hadn't heard anything. And yesterday, uh, sorry, day before yesterday, as a matter of fact, I got the email. And as of uh, this 
recording. I am a credentialed Senior Bowl media member, so I will be heading to Mobile, Alabama for the premier senior all-star game for college-eligible seniors um, and draft-declared players who are heading to the NFL draft, and I'm pretty darn psyched about it. Absolutely. It's really cool. We're really excited for you, and we will. When is the week of practice? Uh, it's the third week of January starts the, whatever that week is 21st, I think goes through the 24th. The game is that Saturday. I will not be staying for the game. Um, practice is really the thing here as the players are coached by NFL coaching staffs. And, uh, it's a big deal for smaller school players to, it's their first real exposure to go against, you know, if you're from James Madison or, um, you know, uh, Southern Fault Texas Tech, yeah, uh, it's your first chance to go against the big guys from Ohio State, Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, uh, and just mix it up in practice and take those reps and see if you can hold up. And if you can, we've seen some guys take real rises during the week of practicing. Hey, this is a small school guy, but he's whipping guys from much bigger schools. Uh, keep him in your sights. He's a good, you know, second or third round prospect. So it's a it's a fascinating week. Uh, I've followed it online very closely but it will obviously be a whole different experience to be there in person so uh, definitely be doing some podcasts from there i imagine i'll be jumping on probably all the podcasts of the windy city gridiron podcast channel jeff and i will certainly do one. i imagine robert and bill will get into the act too um, might show up on some of the outlets other outlets that i've showed up on in the past as well radio and on other podcasts uh, being on site or at least when i get back so uh, watch for all the coverage should be pretty fun um, i'll have more details for you and of course you can always follow along on twitter um but podcast will be back probably i don't know sometime what late february besides the one from the senior bowl what do you think of jb well you know we were talking about it before the pod started uh, recording and our first show of our existence hit in the middle of february february 18th so uh you know, around that time, you know, we get our break. Super Bowl's over. Uh, you know, leading up into the start of the new year with free agency starting, and you know, start to scout some, you know, pro players and maybe what's in the draft. And you know, we'll we'll start doing some positional uh, episodes potentially, and maybe some other things. I've got some other ideas on what we can possibly do. Maybe bring some other people in and get some different perspectives. Uh, you know, maybe bring in some. Uh, you know, people from outside or inside the site and, and try to diversify that way. But uh, certainly uh, some really cool stuff coming up, and we're all really excited for you to be able to get down there to Mobile and, and uh, scout some seniors for us. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So in the meantime, follow along on Twitter for sure. I'll be posting a lot of stuff there, uh, both before I go, probably some polls about um, what you folks want to see while I'm there, uh, sort of focus in on some coverage. And once I get there, of course, I'll be posting any videos or pictures or, or little interviews or whatever I do there as well. So uh, you can follow me uh, at the Draftsman FB, as in football. You can follow along with... Uh, JB, as he's going to be reposting most of that stuff, I'm sure, at GridironBorn. Uh, you can find additional work at Windy City Gridiron. Of course, check out the podcast channel. We already mentioned that. But until then, thanks so much for being with us for our full first year of coverage. We've enjoyed it tremendously. We hope you have as well, and we'll come back for Season 2. Uh, in the interim, enjoy the playoffs. We just went through them. Should be a pretty wild ride. Lots of good football left to be played this year. Grab your favorite beverage and bear down. <laughs>